welcome everyone to MCU Rewatch, your path through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I am your host, Mark Turcott. Listeners, we did it. We finally made it to Avengers Endgame. This whole path, these 21 episodes, all have led up to this one episode. And to help me break down this epic film, first up, Mr. Paris Lily. Paris, what's up, man? As the great Luke Skywalker once said in another saga movie, this is not going to go the way that you think. That That's how I sum up Endgame. Yeah. As much as the theories we threw out there, all the talk, it didn't go the way I thought. And I'm actually very happy with that. Oh, so good, right? Yes, man. So surprising throughout the whole movie. I mean, that, that you know, we're going to get into it, but I think that was one of the best things is they, they were able to keep so many surprises throughout and also, our third man here with us, joining us every episode, Swain. Swain, what's up, dude? Woo! Part of the journey is the end, fellas. This was the end mm-hmm. for a lot, for a lot in the MCU, and I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. So uh, this is an epic episode, listeners. You know, for those of you that have been with us on this road here through, thank you so much for joining us along the journey. If this is your first episode tuning in, you can go back. We have 21 other episodes you can go through for every single movie here in the MCU that led up to this. And just quick housekeeping before we jump into the movie. I just want to say, you know, a lot of people are probably thinking this is the last episode. And for a while, it is going to be. So if you've been listening to the show for a while, it is going to be the last episode here for a little bit. But we are going to come back with each MCU release. So we will be coming back, of course, for Spider-Man Far From Home. We'll see what other movies come beyond that. We're throwing around the idea of maybe jumping into the MCU shows on the Disney Plus app. We'll see how those roll. I think that's going to be more down to, what, the quality guys? I think of how how those shows kind of go. But, uh, you know, it may be fun to come back for that. But for now, this is the final episode here of MCU Rewatch until Spider-Man Far From Home. So uh, thank you, everybody, who joined us on this journey for that. So let's start it off like we've done every episode here rolling through with Swain. Your brief plot summary for the movie. What you got? Have you ever wanted to see Thanos get slapped around twice? Because I did. <laughs> and that's the plot of the movie. Watch that's Thanos get slapped around twice. Thanos getting slapped around or slapped around twice. That's awesome. He did, well, man. I mean, slapped through time might be the best. Yeah. Best way of saying. Yeah, he did. I mean, he definitely uh, got. Which I mean, let's just start off there. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, let's talk about everybody first. Overall impressions, Paris. I want to throw it to you. Overall impressions, because we do this every episode too. What are your overall thoughts? I think on the film coming out, were you, you know, I mean, you mentioned you were surprised. What what was it? I think coming out of the theater that that surprised you the most. What su- it, it surprised me the most that this was truly about closure for the original six. This was closing out their storylines and this is a definitive end for these 11 years of the MCU. Um, I always thought they were going to set up something, but when the credits rolled, that was it, man. You're left up to interpretation from where, where things go from here. And I felt everyone got a fitting ending for their character. So I, I would say that's what surprised me the most. My overall thoughts is... You know, and and I tweeted this right after I, I got out of the theater. I laughed, I cheered, I cried. 
Yeah, man. I'm telling you, the second time I watched it, more so than the because the first one you're just so so much adrenaline and you're just so excited because the day's finally here. But my second viewing, knowing what was coming, I was a hot mess the the, the last hour. Just everything. <laughs> I can agree. The, the, from from that all of it, just because I knew what was coming and I knew what it meant and I knew. Just these eleven years that I've invested into this this world, this universe, paid off. And yeah. I, I guess that's the best compliment that you can give all all this. It absolutely paid off. Yeah, I, I think for me, man, I'm with you in that it paid off. I mean, it truly felt. And I've heard a lot of people mentioning this that it really was a victory lap, and I just I didn't think they would give closure to everything like they did. I mean, they pretty much sure there are some questions moving forward, but like you said, the original six. The closure is there. Like, if you've been along for this ride the whole time for the MCU, I, I don't know really what else you could ask for out of the the story of, of our original six and even many of the other characters in there. I think, you know, for me, when it came to crying, because I'm going to admit here on the air, I mean, I, I definitely welled up multiple times, but I was surprised that I actually, I thought the whole time it was going to be tears of sadness. Where I mean, I had the tears of joy when those portals opened up. Like, yes. I, well, yeah. that was one moment that, I mean, I just, you knew at some point they were all going to come back together. But, like, when that happened and you just hear, you know, Cap, you there? And he just says, on your left. On your left. An incredible nod back to Winter Soldier. And then just the portal <laughs> opens. I mean, I, I, I was I, 10 years old again in that moment. Just <laughs> tears of joy. I mean, it was incredible. What do you got, This Twain? was a... Uh... It, this was a very weird experience for me. Not weird, but like, I uh, obviously went into the day like completely excited to see it. I've been building up to this for oh, a whole year now, and at after it finished and like I went home and like was working the next few days, I felt like I felt so much more in those days after where it felt like something had actually just happened in my life. Something had ended and you like that feeling of almost like like mixed emotions between like excitedness and loss it would fit like it had a real toll on my life for a few days and it was just like wow like i can't believe a movie could do this but then you think back on it and it's been like it's been a part of my life for yeah, 10, man. 11 yeah. years now. So. Yeah, and that's the thing. Think of yeah, where absolutely. you were, Paris. I, I love that you brought it up on the last episode or one of our last episodes. How old was your son? Because my son was the same age when Iron Man came out. Three, he, four? He, wasn't, he, he was just short of turning two. I mean. Because his, his birthday would have been like the week after Iron Man came out. In isn't that crazy just to think back when all of this started? Like you're talking, Swain. Like this this is almost, not that it's a hole in your life, but it's like this this saga of your life these last 10 or 11 years has uh, they, they ended around this totally and the mcu at this point like the way they left it off if they like obviously it's not gonna happen it's billions and billions of dollars of of profit here but if they had ended on this story i would have been happy like exactly. i, I would have been 100 yeah. percent happy with how it ended i wouldn't have walked out of the theater and been like oh, i wish they would have done this they really did tidy everything up mm-hmm. the best they could at the end of this this movie. And, and l- let me say this on just to add on to what you're saying, and I know we'll go more in depth into this, but you're and I, I was, was tweeting about this today because I, I was even thinking about it that 
this ended. You can't top this. You cannot no. top this. They cannot do the same formula again and, no. and hope to have the same result because it won't happen. So whatever they do, phase four and beyond, I hope it truly is something unique and a different way of storytelling. And and I think Endgame in that way kind of sets them up to be able to tell different type of stories now because th- this was lightning in a bottle, man, to get Robert Downey Jr. when they did in 2007, 2008 to be an Iron Man when people were looking that, at that at that time with the raised eyebrows like, really? But then you bring in a Chris Evans who, hell, was freaking Johnny Flame <laughs> in, yeah. in Fantastic Four, you know, and did all these teen movies. That's what he was known for at, at the time to get him in to be Captain America. All of that was so highly skeptical. And then Even obviously, Chris Hemsworth was. I was just going to say that. Too. Yeah. I go, that was skeptical. Who knew this dude? It was going to be comedy freaking gold to what he is now. And I know we'll get into this more with Thor and everything, but the Trinity. Is, is what I like to call them to lead this over the past decade to where I, I'm telling you guys, I'm sitting there the first time and I am Iron Man. I'm holding my daughter's hand. I'm holding my son. And we're all crying. We're all crying yeah, in theater. Everyone is everybody yep. in that theater. And that's how how much this is meant to me that, like you said, my or I was saying earlier, my, my son was was two years old at the time. I go, God, my daughter was what was she like six or seven, I guess, at the time. And we shared that moment from from then all the way to now. And it all meant something to us. Mm-hmm. You, you're not going to be able to recapture that. It's like for me, being an old man, this will never happen again. Now, and you know what, Paris, what, what is even crazier <laughs> on top of that is. This is probably the most comic booky. I know it's not a word, but the most comic booky movie you could probably get with time travel and all yes. of these crazy theories. But yet, everybody in the theater is completely on board. You know, like this yeah. is a movie that if you tried to put this movie out back in 2008, sure it would have been cool with all the superheroes there. But you had to have those 10 years of investment and in slowly getting the audience to just kind of throw out these, you know, or, or what do you want to say? Like, get rid of your disbelief and all that and just come on board and say, sure, I, we're in. We're I am Let's go. most impressed with all of the cliffhangery things they just didn't do over 11 years. Like, that they just didn't execute it for 11 years and they saved it. Like, the, the biggest one, obviously, is Avengers Assemble. But like the oh, fact that God. they didn't use so <laughs> many, they didn't like they didn't finish so many jokes. They didn't like do all of these references. They didn't like hit on all of these different things until this one movie, and they made it all happen like in like an hour. Mm. And you were just like stunned because they it, every single one of them was done flawlessly. I mean, think about how it closed. Think about the very last shot you see in this movie is Cap getting that dance and kissing Peggy Carter with a happy ending. It took 10 years to set that up. Yeah, man. I mean, that's, 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 that's amazing that that was a moment that they set up 10 years ago and here it is paying off. And it was so beautiful. It was, it was so, it, it wasn't cheesy. It didn't feel forced. It was the perfect ending. To, to this entire and MCU you Infinity see, like, Saga. I, I, there was a whole article I saw just talking about the song. The song, that's yeah. the same song that Nick Fury has cranking in Cap's apartment yes. in Winter Soldier. They were yes. playing the seed there. It's the same thing what whatever Peggy said to uh, Cap when he went back to visit her when she had Alzheimer's. She said to him, like, it's a long, long night or whatever the name of the title is. Like, she said those words to him. So they were kind of planting the seeds. Like, just it, it just paid off in so 
many ways. It's it's phenomenal. Well, we're sitting here gushing over it, guys. Let's jump in. I want to start talking about some of the specifics yes. here. Yes. You know, there's a lot to digest here when it comes through all of this. So I think what we're going to do is kind of go around, you know, the round table here, each kind of either pick a moment or a character or just something and we'll jump in. So I'll throw it to you first, Paris. What uh, what do you want to talk about first? I think in terms of the movie. I, I, I want I want to talk about how it kicked off because, uh, again, just, just to side back into what we're saying really quick, you had, going to the history of the production of all these movies, you had Josh Whedon fight to have Hawkeye have the family and the farm. They almost cut the farm out. We almost never saw that, right? But he fought to have that in there. And to have that open, the, this movie... You, when you saw the, him with his family, you knew exactly oh, what that what meant. You, you knew what was coming, and you, again, you cared. You absolutely cared about because Claire's moment in my theater. We see the farm and we see what's going on. Someone screams out, "Thanos, you bastard!" And we all erupted in laughter <laughs> because it's true. Because we, yeah. we knew, right? So, so again, the way it opens, we see that. And then obviously we we get the Tony and Nebula scene and and that is fantastic. You get the speech with with Pepper, but to fast forward past all that, and I and 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 I'm so glad that you have Tony lose it on Cap. Yeah, that was there in, in Avenger Tower. I love that because it wasn't this instantly everything is forgiven. We're friends. I mean, to be honest, we think about it. He held, he holds that grudge for five years, <laughs> even <laughs> after right. But but the point that I really wanted to get to was they absolutely do go after Thanos and they killed him right away. In the yeah. first, like right immediately away. cut his hand off, of chop his head off. I was shocked. And then, yeah, yep. you know, they Thanos or not Thanos Thor goes for the head and all that. And then that, I love the way they just set up five and then it's a pause years later. And it's like, wow, they're really doing this. Like yeah. they, they really had to live with this. Like the, cause again, we speculated about this obviously, but they're going after Thanos. What's going to happen? What they're going to do? And yeah, Thanos did what absolutely what he would have done in that situation is he destroyed the stones because he completed his mission. He was done. He won. So of course you destroyed the stones so no one can can take it from you. There's no temptation, nothing. It made total sense. So it forced the Avengers and the entire universe to move on with their lives. And they love that they were brave enough to do something like that, that they take out the villain immediately. And that Thor is left with it. I mean, this is why we got fat Thor because yeah. he is left with this burden of, he didn't go for the head and he, and there, and he's hopeless because there's nothing he can do to change it. So I, yeah. I, I thought that was a fantastic. Opening. I think in that same moment too, the, the scene right after the five years later that I love was cap. Like even amongst, you know, you have the whole world is in shambles and here he is leading a small little therapy group. With what was it like yes. five or six people? With with one of the Russo brothers was there. I mm -hmm. thought that was so cool. I forget exactly what he says. Like you know, he lets the Russo brother tell his story about going on a date and how he's gonna go see the guy again. And you know, Cap's basically trying to inspire these people just to live. Which, by the way, that's one thing that I I, I don't know if a lot of people kind of missed it or or haven't really been latching onto. But and this is jumping ahead a little bit. But one of the things that I love, and you hear that line from Cap at the end, is he's like, you know, I listened to Tony and lived a little bit. And like in the end. Tony or, you know, Tony basically taught Cap to live. And that's yes. kind of Cap saying, you know, to this guy, like, just, yeah, live your life. You know, that's great. You're going on another date. And then Cap did the opposite with Tony. He taught Tony to jump on that grenade, just like Cap did in, in yeah. First Avenger. Yes. Right? And Tony I, took the gauntlet. I, and did I, also, it. I love that their characters are com like completely flipped. It's awesome. 
I also a little it's a little bit of a like a note in that whole therapy scene, but he straight up mentions Thanos to this therapy group. And it makes me think that like at some point the Avengers had to come out and basically tell the yeah. story of yeah, what, tell happened. The world what happened. Yeah. Right. It, it's because known. like obviously everyone oh ever everyone knows that they failed at like five yeah. years ago, essentially. And that Thanos existed. Like, the, the, imagine trying to how to like you had to explain that to the whole world that this crazy alien showed up with a bunch of stones and you know basically erased everyone. Yeah, yep. yeah, and 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 that's the beauty of it that in the end the world knows there's no redo, there's no reset, there's no yep. Men in Black mind wipe. We have to live with the snap. It happened. It's real. Yeah. And we're now in the repercussions moving forward of what it means, obviously, in the, the five years. But even once everybody returns, it's something that happened. And it's and, and you know, what, I, I thought that was fantastic. Thanos mentions that in that final fight, like right before when they're getting ready to fight, because he realizes, like, you know what? If I only let half of, or if I only kill half of you and doing that, the half that still lives remembers what life was before. So now I'm going to get the gauntlet, and rather than do that, I'm just going to tear apart the whole galaxy and destroy everyone and start a new one, and those people or these beings that are alive now, they're not going to know any better, and they're all just, just going to enjoy what they're given and not what they've lost. And so his, I, I, even his whole mindset changes in that. Yes. You know, where, and that's just that's where he's at, you know? I don't, I don't want to take, because I know Swain wants to jump in with his, but I, I just want to put a, a mental note in there now that we absolutely have to talk about 2014 Thanos at, at some point, even even more in depth than what you're saying now, because I just think he's a fantastic villain. But but Swain, the floor is yours, my friend, because you haven't given your moment. No, I mean, like, we, we kind of, like, we, we, we started it off. It, it, the, right from the beginning, they kind of show so much. And, I mean, I... I'm the the hugest fan of Captain Marvel and the beginning, like even the beginning of with Captain Marvel was just perfect. Her just like zooming in and fucking uh, zooming in and just nailing down Thanos and holding like throw him in a headlock real quick, quick while Thor chops off his hand. So good. I, I, I think they like they really did a good job with all all of that opening sequence and leading right after it with uh showing how uh hawkeye was getting along like and how he just kind of dealt with losing his whole family and you kind of get little hints of it with mm. uh with nat and nat's talking about you know uh holding everyone together and pretty much trying to like do do a job that no one really wants to do and she finds out that he's just going around and killing all the bad guys yeah what's that because the they ronin, i think is what he's called. ronin yeah yep ronin yeah. he's going around and killing all the bad guys because they're alive and his family wasn't and i was like that is brutal like this guy <laughs> this guy is on a warpath and he was like in mexico and he goes to japan he is He's put punching some miles on that frequent flyer card to kill some bad guys. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, but I I think people are giving uh, him a little too much of uh, too much guff about his haircut. I like this haircut. I think he looked good. I think he looks great. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think about it once while I was watching it. Yeah, it was fine. Yep. Um, I want to talk about briefly back to Captain Marvel. 
and I think just her in this movie in general. Um, I, if it's I well could take, balanced, uh, it, it was, but I mean, I honestly just thought we were going to see her more. But I think when you look sure. at what we said about things that were surprising, that was surprising. Like, wow, we're not really going to double down on on Captain Marvel that much. And did you know she filmed this before she did the movie? Mm-hmm. So she said the mm-hmm. first yep. time she stepped on set as a character, she didn't really know how to play the character. <laughs> Um, but I love how they now have established. I mean, we saw her in Captain Marvel where she comes through and just wrecks all the Kree ships. We obviously see her just completely obliterate Thanos' ship. But to me, the the moment that really stood, stood out, and I think for most people now moving forward, I don't know, we talked before, is she too overpowered? The fact that when she's grabbing the gauntlet from Thanos, basically almost ready to snap his fingers off, he headbutts her, <laughs> doesn't even phase Nothing her. Nothing happens. It takes him pulling off the Power Stone to gain that power to then punch her. That's the only way that he can actually affect her. Like, yeah. what does that mean going forward with a character? As I Captain think it's Marvel. Like, God, how can we ever, how can anybody combat her? I think it's a problem personally. Well, um, I, we mean, some buddies were talking about, about that. Go, go ahead, Twain. No, we, I, what you I, say? I will disagree. And I think it's going to be a good path for the character. Because if you are that good character that has the ability to save the day all the time, and you can see it in this movie. She's pulled in a thousand different directions. Like she is not on Earth yeah, because she is needed elsewhere. But if she's always needed everywhere, then it ends up being it's the a, Superman like problem. a character. Like but that's what I was going to say. Like with, yeah. with Tony and how Tony dealt with his, I think we'll see her dealing with the fact that she can't be everywhere all the time and she wants to be obviously right and she wants to be able to help everywhere but i think that'll like uh, if they go that route that would be an excellent way of showing like maybe at some point she just like breaks down she can't do any of it because she's like i can't be everywhere at once and i think that's the best way obviously she's super strong and she showed up and uh did a lot of really awesome things in this movie but I think the best way to kind of do that is just bring her down, like uh, the mental side. She's still a human. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and like what Mark was saying, and, and that's a very interesting take on it. I, I wasn't thinking of it that way, but it, I, I was viewing it as the Superman problem. I mean, she's she's almost like she's a god in the MCU, and she is the problem solver for everything. I just wish they would have in the Captain Marvel movie or in this one at least exposed a weakness for her, but maybe it's like you're saying the fact that she's going to get pulled in a thousand different directions constantly. That is her weakness. Or if the the perfect way of doing it, then currently in some of her comics is rogue, like have rogue show up and take away Captain Marvel's take some of the power. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the X-Men coming back eventually. So, yeah, absolutely. Now, well, speaking of the comics, um, did you catch the slight nod towards her relationship with Rhodey? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Was that, that quick? Like, yeah. Good luck. Yep. And speaking on that, since it's the same scene, we obviously got a slight nod towards Namor as well from Koye with the the, the underwater yeah. tremors yep. in Africa. So, oh, we that just, was cool we, to see. You just want to do all the little. The little uh, nods guess real we can. I guess we can. <laughs> There's what we got uh, a Captain I mean, like, Britain one, right? There's a Captain yep. Britain one, but Braddock, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a. Uh, wasn't in the U.S. You can't hear it in our version. It's in the subtitles of the French version. You hear what Crazy. they're saying in the other room. And Peggy mentions it's it, that wasn't lightning. And then uh, Braddock hasn't checked in. 
And it's like, oh, yeah, well, we're just going to cut. It's nice to see them like they may not have to do anything with all of these characters and like these little nods that they're throwing in. But it's it's going to be interesting if they do like down the line. I think Namor would make make a great uh, Black Panther. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. But do you think uh, if they introduce the him, to... are they are they going to introduce him as a villain first? Because he's, yes. well, he's going so. back yeah. and forth like in the books constantly. I mean, it's yeah. always you know the idea they can't of, of outright use them. them. It's like the Hulk, so he would have to be in someone else's movie. Mm-hmm. Couldn't really set up too big of a yeah. uh, an appearance. But uh, also uh, Tonsberg, where Odin, uh, f- the original place of the Tesseract, uh, being New Asgard. That was a little nod to that as well. Uh, Hope referring to uh, Steve Rogers' cap. Which yeah, no, I love up. that, man. That was great. And like a quick little like glance over to uh, to Ant-Man. Just being like, oh, you called him Cap too? All right. <laughs> I loved uh, the, the elevator scene. Was uh, amazing. And people freaked out. This was back in, what, 2016 when Secret Empire was the big summer event in the comics. And Cap, in the beginning of that, it was revealed, oh, my God, he's been a Hydra agent this whole time. And at the end of the issue, he said, hail Hydra. And the fact that they had Chris Evans <laughs> say that on screen, but it was in the perfect way to do it. Everybody thought yeah. for sure we're going to get a repeat of the elevator scene. Nope. Throw it out the window. The hail Hydra was great. You don't have to d- deal with uh, fighting himself. And, uh, yep. well, no, that happened after, but still. But still. Uh, so <laughs> Such a great nod. And then another one that I don't know if a lot of people are picking up on was it. Like, who was the one that said they go back in time and strangle or choke Thanos? It's Rhodey. Uh, Rhodey. Rhodey said that. It, for those that haven't read the Cosmic Ghost Rider comic books, uh, it is essentially Frank Castle, who's the Punisher, in the future as the Ghost Rider that goes around space. And he decides, because Thanos is, just causes all this havoc, he goes back to kill baby Thanos. It's more of a comedy book. But it was just like, to me, I mean, I knowing that I've read that book, I was like, oh, it's a cool little nod. Like, that's what he, he tries to go kill Thanos and just can't because he's a cute little baby. And then Thanos jumps out of the crib and just beats the hell out of him. So it's hilarious. <laughs> but I thought that was a cool uh, little nod to that book. That they there there was in. also uh, an appearance. If this is, um, not everyone will get it. But uh, there's a... <clears throat> There's a fantasy football analyst named Matthew Barry, and he's in this movie. And he has a speaking part in uh, the scene where they come down the elevator. They're on the first floor of Avengers Tower, and uh, they go to try and take the, the Tesseract from yeah. Tony. And he's like, whoa, Mr. Stark. And it's uh, real quick, but like I've listened to their podcast for like so you years and it. years and years. So it's like I heard the voice. And it, I didn't catch it until the second one, and somehow didn't like learn it through the internet between the first and second viewing. But I was like, wait, I know that. Oh, there's that bald guy. I know. (laughs) Like, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty funny. And I remember him on his show, like months and months, months ago being like, they were like, Oh, he's away on some, uh, secret project, uh, that we'll all get to see eventually. And that's what it was. Never saw, but it turns out it was this. Awesome. Paris, what do you got? I'll let you throw another one out, man. Professor Hulk. And and I'll start it off by saying this. Um, I walked out the first time disappointed in Hulk's arc because, again, the fan in me wanted that rematch. I wanted to see the rematch with Thanos. We obviously didn't get that. But upon reflecting on it and then obviously seeing it a second time, what I realized, not only for Hulk, and he's kind of the embodiment of, of the entire movie, of we grow. We change over time. We are not the same people that we were, you know, 10 years ago, right? So 
him going back to New York and seeing himself during the 2012 Avengers and seeing the rage and and you look at he can't do that because he's not angry so he's you know walking around (laughs) and then you even obviously get the hilarious stare scene with, with Hulk that was great too but it's like Hulk has evolved he's he's not that person anymore he and he used his brain instead of the brawn to to solve the problem but it was the brawn the, the fact that he was the one that actually did the snap to bring everyone back and I like that it's no longer about Hulk smash Hulk smash for him it's about he found the balance to bring the two parts of his personality together and he's at peace now. You know, there was no conflict with Banner or Hulk at all. It was like he's just happy being him. Like he's a rock star <laughs> now. He's beloved on Earth. Yeah. He's taking selfies and autographs. And it's like when you view it that way and you realize that this th- his character arc, he's come full circle now and grown. It totally makes sense that Hulk would be this chill, relaxed guy now and not raging and having to go world breaker Hulk, you know, to save the day. There's a a great piece in the New York Times uh, with the writers, and I send it to you guys right before we yeah. start recording this. But um, there's a bit in there where they, they talk a lot about what uh, could have or almost got written into um, the movie. And it ends up being like a, a nice little insight into, uh, you know, how a movie of this like this capacity like two whole movies between infinity war and Endgame um comes around and they talk about how uh banner almost became uh professor hulk in the first movie in wakanda mm. and they were like it just didn't fit with everybody coming like like everybody was coming down and it would be weird to have the hulk come up at that right at yeah, that moment point. and they talk about how it was like they're not he's not like getting along he won't come out and then they compromise and become this one so it ends up in, and they they, they kind of say it perfectly it's like they wrote the scenes in a lab but it, now it's just him eating pancakes and think it it generally works it, and it really rides on uh paul rod going i'm so confused yeah as to what, what's <laughs> right. happening here by the way speaking of that scene of the food have you actually paid attention to all the food he had on the eating table so much food eating. so much oh, yeah man great yeah i love to yeah, just, i never you know, had he, to think about the hulk eating yeah right you, you never do i i like too how just his face now is a lot more ruffalo you know like you yep. really see sure. ruffalo in it uh i thought that was cool how they, they went ahead and did that um swain what else what do you got man throw something else out Oh, man. Uh, I would say, and I don't want to jump straight to the end. Go. Like, Whatever, man. That's what we're doing I, here. We're picking I, a moment, I, picking a I character. Think I'll, I think I'll land somewhere in the middle and say that I really loved Thor's interactions with his mom oh. on Asgard. Oh, yeah. it was a hot mess. Just like, <laughs> just <laughs> so perfectly done. She was so aware that, like, this isn't her Thor. Right. And that something is going to happen in the future. And she's like, I've been raised by witches. I like this isn't new to me. And uh, it really is just a perfect moment where he learns that he is not like he's been thinking about who he was supposed to be mm-hmm. for so, so long. Years upon years upon years thinking I got to be the king. I've got to, you know, especially after Ragnarok having to, you know, carry this burden of like taking his people to a new world and starting a new Asgard, like his brother's dead, his dad's dead, his mom's dead, his best friend uh, is dead. And it's like, it's, you could see it obviously through fat Thor. Like he becomes 
that's that's the face of depression right there like and to see his mom kind of help him through it was just so perfect and the fact that like we're like not even mentioning they've gotten so many people to come back to just this movie yeah to film like one-off scenes like between like natalie portman and uh the actress who plays his mother i'm not familiar with her name uh, but like russo the fact, the fact that they just come back to film one or two scenes for this movie just shows you how huge it is um but the best part about that scene is though at the end when she tells him to eat a salad <laughs> and then <laughs> he just like holds out his hand and yep. rocket is like well what's going on what is he doing and she's like uh hold on it takes it might sometimes takes a, a second and uh mjolnir shows up and it shows him that he's actually worthy of yes of Mjolnir and he's worthy of like wielding it because he's spent so long thinking he hasn't been, hasn't been worthy of anything. And if you look at it as like a whole Thor has like come like just the character they built, uh, the first two movies, obviously like rough <laughs> it was rough, but they found something in well, post dark world, through Ragnarok, through Infinity War, and now into Endgame. Like, Thor had a huge role in all of those movies. Yes. Yep. Yes. He and did. he's come so far as a character, and they've made him such a better, more dynamic, like, part of the MCU. And, and I'm just, so happy he is. You know what I love, too, four. Swain, just real quick, Paris, before you go, is that, you know, we've, we've even talked about it here on the show when we covered Dark World, about how that's kind of like the one movie that people are just kind of like, uh, it's not my favorite. But yet, that's one of the movies they go back to. Yeah. Like, how, yeah. I don't want to say ballsy was that, but they're just saying, like, no, that movie's important and we're going to show you why. And so now, if you go back and watch that movie, you'll have so much more of an appreciation for it. I, I thought that was great and just kind of a risk almost they took to say, no, that movie was important sure. and we're going to show you why. I thought that was great. Yeah. What do you got, Paris? Yeah, just to add on to the to the Thor things, like you said, the the whole scene with the moms again, second time teared up on that too because I I was feeling his pain and his despair during that, and like his mom kind of brings him through it, and then like you said, Molnir he still knows he's worthy. But the other part to that was when they actually get the start gauntlet and they're deciding who's going to do the snap, and he is so desperate to want to be the one yeah. to do it because he wants. To feel like I've contributed, I've helped, I fixed the mistake that I made, you know, and they obviously have to talk him out of it because, hey, you're just simply not, you know, you're not in the condition, right? Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, the cheese was in his veins. But again, it's just that that's what's so good about his arc throughout this movie. And like you said, if you take it into the context of the entire MCU to see that he was he's literally the God of Thunder and he's reduced to arguing with kids online about Fortnite oh, by the so time good. we get to this movie, you know, with Corgan Meek, obviously another, and Corgan another great Meek, appearance. Yes. Movie. I yeah. loved it, man. What do you think? You too? Know, and, and kind of vindication for Thor at the end and, and kind of just seeing his art come to a, well, I don't want to say come to a close, but when he's talking to Valkyrie and what does he say? He says for the first time in my life, it's not that I don't have a purpose, but what, what is, what is it that he says? He says something like, I don't have a goal or whatever it is. I, I can just be me. You know, I don't have yeah, to live yeah. up to the standards that my parents are setting for me or that, you know, the people in, in Asgard are, are putting up to me. Like, yeah, I can just be me. And he doesn't which, have anyone to fail, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He doesn't have to be 
what he was ordained to become. It's right. he just gets to be like you said, who he wants to be. But again, if you take this full circle, how are we introduced to Thor in the very first Thor movie? If it is this is my birthright, he's very arrogant and cocky that he's going to yeah. be the next king of Asgard, and he had to get taken down a notch even then by Odin, you know, to 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 again be worthy about it and to see with this failure and him realizing all the responsibility of being the king of Asgard. Uh, that's not that's not who he is. That's not what he wants to do. And yet him and his brother fought over this for probably centuries on who was going to be the king. And then ultimately neither one is. It's going to be Valkyrie. Yeah. So um, uh, great moment. I want to talk about and it is jumping forward. But I mean, there I went bananas in the theater and I know everybody else probably did. And it's kind of playing off Thor as well. Was the moment Cap gets uh, Mjolnir. And part of that is do you think maybe part of Thor's arc and maybe him kind of being able to let go of not having to live up to the standards was also the fact that he's not the only chosen one. I mean, we knew through history there were other chosen ones, but the fact that he sees Cap able to also wield the hammer, and hell, I mean, we even see Cap in that moment, he's bringing lightning down from the sky. So, like, we we knew that, you know, when you hear Odin, he says to Thor in um, Ragnarok, he says, you know, you're not the god of hammers, you're, you're the god of thunder and lightning. Like how was how was Cap able to use the lightning in that moment? That was I took one... it also. I took it also. Sorry, but I also took it again from Odin's conversation in Ragnarok with Thor because he was explaining that he was using the hammer to channel the energy form. So maybe that's just again the symbol of I, again. I'm, I'm talking about it and as I'm talking about it. I'm, I'm talking myself right. out of it. But yeah, again, but it, it was incredible, right? I mean, that yeah, was, it was incredible. That, that was one of the moments outside of like the portals and that that probably got the biggest pop in my theater because yeah. when you saw that, it was just just the simple uh, of it being lifted off the ground. Yeah, because you don't know who's lifting it, and you think it's probably yeah. Thor at that point, just going to come flying through, and then nope. It ends up being Cap, and I mean, he immediately knew how to dual wield. I mean, he he's throwing the you know the shield, he's throwing Mjolnir. I mean, it was just so oh, awesome to see the everything. Best attack was him throwing the shield behind Thanos and oh, hitting the shield, right? And yes. hitting with like sound from behind. That was yeah. so cool. Yeah, and then you know, I think all that paid off. We talked about the Avengers assemble moment. That is Mjolnir coming to him in that moment. You know, he kind of turns around, and you see Thanos's face, and then he just says, you know, Avengers, and then Mjolnir comes and he just says, assemble. That I think to me just summed up everything right there. That that moment of Cap wielding that was just it. You know, I I, I like I said, I, I think that Thor's arc and the fact that he he realizes that he isn't the only chosen one and Cap being able to be a chosen one as well, I think kind of settled it for Cap because or for Thor. Because I mean in, in that moment they're fighting and Thor is getting pretty beat up. I mean, what is Stormbreaker is getting pushed into his chest at that moment. So I mean Thor was getting ready to go down. Right there. And then when there is another chosen one there, it kind of vindicates him. He yells, I knew it. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I knew it. Which, Uh, by the way, Stormbreaker almost going to his chest. Nice callback to him doing it to Thanos in in Infinity War. So that was awesome. So one thing I want to bring up, because it it has been driving me bananas that we can't talk spoilers online on like social media yet, is people not understanding how the time traveling works in this movie. Yeah, and, and 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 I do think there's something at the end with Cap that throws it off, but I think it's more fan service that it went that way. But again, I I, I had to take notes on this the whole thing. Jump into it, man. There's, I think there's a good there, way to simplify it, like yeah, to just say like certain things can happen, certain things can't happen. Right. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm trying to say here. So 
as a result, the way the rules had been explained by Banner and then later on by the Ancient One is... Oh, quick you, aside, if, him explaining it to Rhodey and, oh, and Ant-Man awesome. is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> Which, awesome. you know what, they represent it. us as the audience, right? Like, yeah, our, yeah. our versions of time travel is back to the future. Like, that's what yeah. people think of. So I thought it was cool they put that nod in there. Yeah, absolutely. And But I, I, I like the way they did it in here because it, it makes sense. Basically, your past is your past. You can't change your past. The past is set. Whatever happened, happened, right? So if you go back in time and change something, you've now created an alternate reality, right? So that, that was, in, in simple terms, is basically what they set the rules of, of it in the MCU. So because of that... Branch. Yes, but because of that, there's now six timelines that were the result of Endgame. You have our main timeline. You have the timeline that was created when they went back to New York and Loki left with the Tesseract. Yep. You then have the timeline where Thor went back with Mjolnir and they got the reality stone. You then also have the 1970s timeline where that's where they successfully got the Tesseract. You then have the 2014 timeline where they got the Soul Stone and the Power Stone and Thanos and Thanos left that timeline and never came back 2014. Right. So because of this and, and I get what the ancient one was saying, because this is where I think some of the confusion comes in. The ancient one was very self-aware that by him taking the time stone, this is now an alternate reality. But the point that she was trying to make was. The, all the Infinity Stones need to return to their moment in time because that alternate timeline will be thrown into chaos and darkness if you don't. It wasn't that the timelines merge all back together and there's one timeline. Right. And the reason I bring that up is because the final timeline is old Cap. Because yeah. when Cap goes to return all the Infinity Stones and potentially Molnir, I don't think that's 100% confirmed if he, he returned it, it or not. Him, so. He took it with them, though. So let's just say he returned that too. Even though he returned it to that timeline, that's still an alternate timeline. And then when he goes back to the 1940s to be with Peggy Carter, that is now a new timeline that he created. And again, I think this is where the fan service comes in. He shows up on the bench. So it gets confusing because you think, did he just live to that age in our timeline and just stayed on the sidelines the whole time? Or did he live his life in an alternate timeline and then let's just say when Peggy finally passes away, he then came back. That's yeah. how I interpreted That's it. That's how that, I'm taking because, it that way. Yeah. yeah because the confusion comes in because he didn't use the pad to return back, which right, would exactly which is the way they set it up, but it yep. was more of a directoral like setup to have like yeah. it basically just like old man on the bench type of thing. Yeah. Like that and have him like, you know, literally looking onto the lake. It's just like a very perfect moment. Uh, and, to have and, that exchange between him and Falcon. Exactly. And if you think about it, you even see in the 1970s, he grabs more pin particles, right? So right. There, there's an option where he has more there. But then let's not forget, there is no way that Steve Rogers goes back to the 1940s with the knowledge that Hydra had infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D., That's what that I was, thinking, was in there, and yeah. the, in, the impending doom of the infinite Thanos getting all the Infinity Stones. There's It's impossible that he sat on the sidelines that entire time. He created an alternate timeline where he probably created, got rid of Hydra way earlier, probably got the Avengers assembled way earlier than, than in that timeline, and 
Thanos never gets the gets I, the Infinity Stone. I need a it, Disney Plus series oh of God, Cap so just good. doing <laughs> random stuff. Yes, like not to mention, even when he's returning the Infinity Stones, there's probably a whole uh, yeah, oh, yeah. series just in that because yep. look, he has to confront Red Skull and give back the Soul Stone. Yeah, that that happened. So what, what yeah. is the story? I just want him like lifting up the couch and vacuuming under the couch. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's so That's good. Awesome. But but you know, even again, just along that lines, I love that that ending where because Bucky obviously knew he had on to, some yeah. level he yeah knew yeah when I watched it the second time he yeah knew. yeah he yeah. says goodbye and then obviously you know Falcon becomes the next Captain America. But even the shield when Cap gives him the shield, that's a different shield, yeah. you know. So so a a Stark in this alternate timeline, be it Howard or Tony, creates that shield form most likely. Not to mention. He probably again, this is what the alternate timeline, why I think it's so fascinating. We could have a two-hour discussion just on that. Hank Pym and Howard Stark probably never fall out in that timeline because Steve knows, right? So you probably have a timeline where Hank Pym and Howard Stark work together, creating all this technology. Tony's probably born. He's uh, same a good timeline. Dad. He knows that uh Bucky kills it kills Howard and maybe stops it. That's that's yeah. my point. That yeah. pro- that Howard Stark probably never dies because he probably rescues Bucky from Hydra decades earlier. You, yeah. you see what I'm saying? So that's a completely different timeline. But I, I guess since I'm, I'm talking, the other one that really fascinates me is the 2014 timeline because Thanos disappears sure. from that timeline. So he never does the snap. But Civil War still happens in that timeline, Right. So yeah. the Avengers still split. The Accords are still a thing in that timeline. It would just be fascinating to see how that eventually gets I, resolved. I think someone needs to go. Well, someone should or maybe the official source needs to go through and like give it give the multiverse numbers like they do in the comics. Like mm-hmm. 616 is. Yeah. And there's a quick nod to 616 in uh, in this movie with uh, Ant-Man's storage locker is number 616. Oh, I didn't yep. notice that. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I caught that too. But but along the lines of what you're saying, so this is where, where I think the unique storytelling is going to come in the future. They've yeah. essentially established the multiverse now. So we oh, make well, stories we in these know they, We're getting that animated, the what if animated show. Yeah. And I think they said rather than like the what if comics, we're always like, you know, random. So, what if the Punisher killed Daredevil or this whatever? Is, like, this is for you, Mark. You, you're going to love this in that, that New York Times uh uh, article, but the writers actually wrote in the Living Tribunal oh, into nice. into Infinity War, and he just didn't make it. So ah. like, he, he also would have been a good appearance in Endgame when they're messing with time, and yeah. just been no, you can't be doing this. Like yeah, you can't be definitely. messing with time here. Um, also, a really good uh, possible setup for uh, is it K- Kang? Yes, I know it, Kang's yeah. from yeah. way way yeah, in the future, Kang, and this Kang the this. Uh, yep. This messing with time could be hmm. something that angers or that messes could lead up his timeline. Like that. Yeah. Hmm. They have so many directions. Yeah, I, I bet you, though, man, I, I didn't even think of that, Paris. When I kept thinking of this What If series, I was thinking more like the comics. That would be the perfect place to explore that because then you don't need to hire the actors. You don't need to. I mean, I think what they well, said is all the animated shows yeah. will have the voice actors, but yeah, they don't yeah, actually. Chris have Evans to, is coming back they to don't the have Peggy to get Carter them one. on a set. Yep. They don't have to do any of that, but they could say. You know, what if, what happened oh, when Cap easy went back? that's right there, the yeah. voice acting. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, that may be where we, we get to see some of that stuff. Hmm. What do you got, Swain? Anything with Rot? 
Oh, I mean, we might as well just uh, jump to the portals type. That was just... We talked about the Avengers Assemble, but right before that, that whole moment where Cap is by himself on the, this like so battlefield, and you he's staring down a literal army. He was literally going to take him on, man. Yeah, and he Strapping just like the straps the shield on tighter and gets ready for it. And like you said, he, he hears the, the cackle, the, the crackle over the radio of uh, Falcon saying, "On your left." And you start to see everyone just start to emerge, uh, thanks to uh, uh, Doctor Strange and all of the other uh, magic users bringing everyone through. And one by one, you get like get all these really awesome moments of people stepping onto the field. And the moment that got me was like uh, Peter Parker swinging up and just like landing and looking really excited to be there. And man, uh, that that whole moment of just each one by one showing up, and then like Ant Man growing huge, yep, going and giant, saving, man. saving, ah, oh, so good, yep. That whole uh, the whole sequence just they couldn't have done it better. Like I said, that was literally tears of joy. And did you hear? I think it was yes. Kevin Feige said like years ago when they kind of just came up with the idea to you know tie all these movies together. He said there was a poster on the wall. And he saw, you know, all the heroes fighting and he's like, let's do that. You know, I think they talked about that on the red carpet and like, that's what they did. Like that scene is that moment. It is literally everybody on screen. And, you know, talk about how a logistical like miracle that is to execute. That's insane, man. They got all these A-list actors to be (sighs) on a set at the same time because like that actually like I was reading a thing today about how that actually was all of them on a set together at the same exact time i mean there's a, a i think an instagram video from uh, chris pratt chris pratt yeah i saw that today he put out today yeah. of, of like a little video from that actual set so good yeah. so good I, and like even the even more of a logistical nightmare is the uh the funeral scene too just like having all of those actors being the same spot at the same time oh my god which, by the way, I, I know there were some people that were confused about who the young kid in the back was. That's the kid from Iron Man 3. Harley. Yep. Yeah. So yep. for those that were kind of like, originally we walked out of the theater and I was like, oh, I wonder if they're playing They really C. not giving up the ones that uh, everybody didn't really like. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they give a nod to every like, we're, movie. We're going to make movie. sure you remember Iron Man 3 yep. or throw this kid out It was here. important for this. <laughs> this kid here at the end. It's just great. Um, let's talk a little bit about Nebula. In this movie, and, and you know, one of the theories, you know, I remember us kind of talking about it was, if you read ever read the Infinity Gauntlet, it's Nebula playing a key role because she gets the gauntlet, and like Thanos has to team up with the heroes to battle her. And when they took Thanos out in the beginning of this movie right away, I almost thought that maybe the route that they go, that Nebula was somehow going to be, um, you know, one of the the big villains here. But in a sense, she almost was right. Like if it really wasn't she for was her, the key. if she wasn't the one that that went to uh what was the name of the planet where they went to see morag yeah yeah morag with war machine and essentially because her neural network is on the same as nebula of 2014 that's why they were able to see that memory so essentially she is the key to the to the reason why the 2014 thanos gets tipped off that they're there and uh i thought it was great how they still it was a nod to the book saying nebula is going to play a key role we see her she's the one that opens that time portal right before hulk can do that big snap 
at the Avengers, uh, you know, uh, uh, headquarters. And I, I just thought yep. that was great. Her, her whole role there. And, and I love even the interaction she had with herself when it's her Gamora and, you know, Hawkeye goes hiding and she's trying to say, Hey, you know, look at us. This is what you become. Cause she says, I can never be like that. And she's like, you can. Yep. And then. And she, she does get to hold herself. the Stark gauntlet. So she does have the she infinity did. gauntlet briefly yep. as well. Which, by by the way, because because I, I don't want to forget about this one, you you bring up Nebula, which makes me think of Gamora. So we obviously get 2014 Gamora in here, and we already know because of the events of the Guardians, she has that inner conflict. At this point, she knows where the Soul Stone is, and she wasn't going to give that information to Thanos, right? Yeah, right so right, right. we already know that she isn't a hundred percent loyal, and then obviously this future Nebula pushes her over the top, but. It brought up the interesting point. We haven't even talked about Nat giving, you know, sacrifice yeah. for the Soul Stone yet. But it gives up the fact that our Gamora is gone. She ain't coming back. Nope. Like Thanos destroyed the Soul Stone. She is a hundred percent gone. And this Gamora, now that we get this 2014, never had the experience of being with the Guardians, and that's probably setting up something, you know, for Guardians Volume Three. But I, I love that that was the twist that they did, that they were able to bring Gamora back, but they did it in a unique yep. way to were like, I can dig that. That That's good. Yeah. That's OK. And it's like now our 2023 Nebula is actually the one that would be you're my sister come come into the fold. You don't have to be alone yeah. kind of thing. So complete role reversal of the two characters. Yeah, it sets up a lot for Guardians. Again. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah, there's uh, obviously with Thor and the dynamic there with him just like being I <clears throat> honestly, the way they set it up at the end makes me think they're 100 percent going to go with Adam Warlock because th the only one that could really match Thor. the power would be Thor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. they're going to need him. Yep. And, and it actually when you think about just the overall real life uh, aspect of this. It allows because, you know, volume three has been delayed now. So this allows Hemsworth to take a break. He can go do other things and he doesn't necessarily have to come back as ripped Thor because um, I've, I've followed like him and Hugh Jackman and Chris Evans, people like this. They have to get in this ridiculous shape, you know, oh, to play Chris these Evans roles. Definitely didn't want to do this and they, anymore because and they this. all say it. Yeah, they all say it like like Hugh Jackman fame. He's like, dude, I'm, I'm like in my 50s now. I, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, the diet that, that you Two have to do is. Yeah. Yeah. So Hemsworth doesn't have to get ripped, you know, be in decent shape and he just be, you know, semi fat Thor. And all they have fine. to do is make a joke about how he's 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 trying. Dad bod Thor. That, that's all yeah, I got to yeah. do. So it'll be fine. But but again, you know, they'll take a, he can take a few years off, come back, and he doesn't have to have a major role in Volume Three. But he can There's, just show up in 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 and there and do other things and still be a part of MCU. I think it'd be great. Yep. There's you, something I saw today about uh, how from like now until actually 2023, we have a bunch of movies that like outside of Spider Man. Spider Man's going to be like. A right after Endgame yep. type of situation, yep. but after that, we're not going to spend much time in the future of the MCU until almost actually 2023. Our time, and just kind of jump back into like what would be that actual year because we're going to have the Eternals. Um, we are getting Black, uh, Black Widow. Widow, which is going to almost certainly be a prequel. You think Hawkeye? Or, gonna, or Hawkeye? is it? I, no, maybe. I think it. Do you think, think Hawkeye will be in that movie? I think it will. You think that'll yeah. be like because they said, what in this 
what did he say? Something about Budapest. He brought it up in here. Yep. Yeah, yeah, they brought it up again. Came up before. Do you think that's what that movie is going to be? It's going to be them. I think there'll be a part of it that'll take yeah, place. That's what I was thinking, man. You would think that, yeah, Hawkeye has to obviously make some form of a cameo in it. I, I would imagine Nick Fury on some level, it, at least briefly, would be in it. And even potentially uh, maybe even Everett Ross or, or Thunderbolt Ross yeah. is in it. You know, not to mention Rhodey. I mean, the fact that you have all these military characters that were around during that time and they could easily do it. Not to mention you could even bring back a, a Frank Grillo, you know, as Crossbones potentially, you know, as, as a Hydra slash S.H.I.E.L.D. agent that's around too. There, there's yeah. a lot of possibilities for that yeah. widow. But, but the point that you're making, Swain, I think this is a great opportunity for the MCU to take a break from oh, a nice pushing for yeah and maybe tell tell some world building stories of the past that potentially sets up the future for what we'll see because yeah. you know Josh Brolin as an example has made it very clear he would love to come back oh, and do, Brolin, do more Thanos Brolin has one more film yeah on his, on his contract and it's going to be Eternals yeah absolutely so mm. yeah they, again the future of the MCU Still looks very bright to me. Obviously, bringing the X Men, the Fantastic Four, and all that coming in, but um, they, I just don't think like going back to what you're saying with Pratt showing that picture of all these A list actors together at once, dude. That is like a once in a lifetime thing that you're gonna <laughs> yeah. do that. It really is, you know. Yep. Um, oh, who did I want to bring up here? There was something. Who the hell were we just talking about? Oh, so the Hawkeye and Black Widow situation. I'll be honest, like that, if anything, was the one, and obviously a lot of this movie is not believable, but like, what do you think of their love having to sacrifice the other to get the soul stone? Do you think that was earned enough? I mean, obviously in the moment, them fighting each other and they don't want each other to die. I think had we had the Black Widow movie prior to this and we've seen more of their relationship, maybe it would have made more sense. But to me personally, it was like, that sacrifice was not the same as Thanos sacrificing Gamora. You know, you know what I mean? Like that, that sacrifice that Thanos made seems so much more impactful to him as a character. That was the, literally the only thing in the world that he truly loved. Hawkeye loves his family more than he loves Black Widow. You know what I mean? Like that was kind of one of those where I was like, okay, I guess this is what we had to work with. So we had to go that route. But if I had one well, thing to really nitpick, that's one that was kind of for me a little... A little I agree. I agree, and maybe the Black Widow movie could have helped that more to establish a relationship. But let's just be honest: there's only one relationship that could have worked that would have been more powerful than what Thanos did with Gamora, and that would have been Capper, Capper Tony sacrificing one or the other for the Soul Stone. Yeah. I mean, though, to me, those those two are the MCU as far as the relationship goes. It's always been about Cap and Tony. So it would have been that or I don't know, maybe Pepper or something could you, like could that. You, could you have had a banner Black Widow? And then send Hawkeye <sighs> to see the ancient I, one? I never, I mean, I mean, he's I, you not know, smart enough at that point. But could you could you have swapped Banner and Hawkeye? And had I don't Hawkeye think so. Back? You don't think so? I think that would have been worse, in my opinion, because I've never bought that relationship. I always felt that relationship was forced, and you could tell they tried to kind of distance themselves from it. Like, why weren't, in these five years, you know, Natasha and Banner weren't together. They were still kind of just friends. You know, they'd never yeah, really true. taken the relationship to a next level. So I think even from a story standpoint, they kind of realized that relationship was a mistake, even though Banner obviously showed some emotion when she died. But 
it was almost the same emotion all of them would have showed in that that sense because she was family. You know, he didn't go world breaker or lose his mind or anything. And obviously he did try, like he said, to bring her back when he did the snap. But the rules of the Soul Stone didn't allow it. But I don't know. I, I think of all the Avengers, just just to bring this full circle, they probably were the two that made sense in that situation right. without giving up one of the big three. Hmm. Yeah, I guess for whoever was left, yeah, I guess that was kind of all you had to work with. So you had to do it. But for me, that was just kind of like, ah, it just didn't seem like it had the same same impact um, there. What else? Who else do we want to talk about? Do we, do we want to just jump into it and talk about Tony? Can we just talk about Tony now? I think that's kind of, I think we're... <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I think that's where we are. Yeah, I mean, I think his arc in this story, especially going back to the 70s and seeing his father was just, I mean, there was so much to that. You know, when you think back to just the the what we've seen with him and his father in the past before, you know, the fact that he finds out not literally on that day, Howard is going home to celebrate with his wife that she's pregnant with Tony. You know, they gave a nod even to the butler being Jarvis, which in the comics, those most, a lot of people know that the butler at Avengers headquarters is, his name is Jarvis, but in the MCU, they're kind of setting it up like this is the guy who's been Tony's friend probably his whole life, being that rich kid of Howard Stark and all that. It just, everything in that moment, I thought was just fantastic. And I love, you know, right at the very end when he gives his dad a hug. And he's just like, you know, what does he say? Thank you or whatever. He gives him a big hug. And you can tell he's like, wait a minute. Thank you for your service service. to the country. (laughs) I just thought that was great that they had that. You know, we were able to kind of get that nice little just nod to um, him getting to see his dad again. I thought was was awesome. What do you guys got for Tony in this? Uh, I got a couple things Um, from a I was a hot mess in the theater moment was when he reunited with Peter. And it was not the first time, the second time I saw it because it dawned on me when Tony went to hug Peter, total callback to Spider-Man Homecoming, where they had the fake hug and Tony was like, no, nope, I was just car. getting the door. We're, <laughs> yep. we're, we're not there yet. So it was in my head. I'm like, they're there. Now they're there. Yep. T- Tony's hugging them. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm crying in the theater. Um, and then obviously the other one is just this relationship with his daughter, Morgan. Oh, man. And you know, and I love the little, you know, just blink and you'll miss it where she's talking about playing in the garage. She has Pepper's helmet, the rescue helmet. And he's like, you know, you love playing in the garage. And she's like, yep. And he's like, daddy loves playing in the garage, too. Obvious call that that's his that's his lab. That's that's where he does all his work. Right. So in other words, like father, like daughter, whatever you say it. But the, that a little slight nod towards Morgan potentially being the next genius Stark in the family and carry on the mantle. Like father, like daughter to the point where when Happy says, you want anything? Cheeseburger. Kid? Oh, that cheeseburger. was another one. And he just goes, we'll <laughs> get you the all the one. cheeseburgers. And then we're like, yes. oh man, just such a sweet, sweet moment. Oh, so and, good. You know, and I'll even say for that and just, just the overall legacy of Robert Downey Jr. And just Iron Man being the linchpin that, that kicked this whole thing off. I thought it was so fitting to have Favreau in that scene with, yes. with, with her, yep. because Definitely. I mean, it was his vision that brought all this together. This doesn't happen without John Favreau, you know? Yep. And the fact that he directed the first one, he stuck around the entire time, just like Robert Downey Jr. has. Like I even saw an article today going, would Iron Man have worked with anyone else except Robert Downey Jr.? And I, I don't even think it's crazy to say no. 
Because I remember they were trying to get like Tom Cruise to do it. And there was yeah. another big profile actor potentially that was going to do it. No, I don't think anyone else, especially with the demons that he had at that time, he was so perfect to be Robert Downey Jr. He embodied what it was to be Tony Stark. And him just on a personal level has obviously grown into this, this icon of an actor and just legend. At yep. this point, right? I mean, when he says I am Iron Man, and I think that's why it got me so much the second time is because guess what? Robert Downey Jr. is freaking Iron he Man. He is Iron in Man. Real life. He <laughs> yeah. is absolutely Iron Man. Just as much as Chris Evans now is Captain. Dude, he's freaking Cap. He will always be Captain America. And the fact that these actors have embraced these roles, they don't run away from it. They embrace it like Chris Evans gets in full costume and goes to children's hospitals, right? I remember seeing Robert Downey Jr. Um, I think it was a Comic Con. This was years ago. Just he's Iron Man. He's with the kids. He's putting on all the helmet, and they're doing the repulsor ray stuff. It's like that's freaking cool, man. That yeah. is so cool, and that's what makes to get this movie and this end. It wasn't like I was sad that Iron Man died, but I was happy for for all of what he's given us this past past decade. You know? Marvel has spent the obviously the decade building something that actors want to be a part of. Yes. You know? Like they can't like if this was anything else, like they built something that was just like a one at like one offs, then you would have situations like where you see early where Rhodey gets recast. Like that that couldn't happen now. Like yeah, you can't no. just jump in and recast some of these members. And it wouldn't happen simply because those Actors want to be there and it's it lent itself to like a lot of these big moments where there's so many of them there logistically. Yeah, that would be pretty hard for any other movie to do. But they like these characters love to be in these worlds where they are the character. Yep. You know, it was very easy to convince them to be there. Paris talking about, you know, the actors taking up these roles and just the responsibility that comes with it. Like, I love at the end, you know, when Anthony Mackie basically is getting the shield from Chris Evans. Like, if you take yourself out of those characters, it, I mean, it literally represents Chris Evans saying, hey, man, here, you're you're yeah. Captain America now. Yeah, you know, like, you like I can't imagine, like, on set that day, and I, I can't wait to hear the, the you know audio commentary for that, because I'm sure they're going to talk about that. Like, that was, could you imagine the day Anthony Mackie learned you're Captain America now? Like, that's that's the direction we're going. That had to just be... You know, just in- incredible to, like to hear that and the role and, and to see how great Chris Evans has been in that role for just, you know, outside the films. Now it's his responsibility to do that. And I guarantee you he's going to take it just like Chris Evans did. And he's going to be that role model. Like, I guarantee you, because that's just the, the precedent that now has been set with these these actors. It's, it's agreed. Awesome. Completely agreed. Now, think of it this way. Imagine if Ed Norton waited until after the first Avengers to go, ah, I don't want to do this anymore. It completely would have broke what what they were building at that time if yeah. all of a sudden Ruffalo has to come in as Bruce Banner after the Avengers. And that again, that's that's why I think it's going to be so hard to do this moving forward because of the the commitment that the act when it, when one of these actors signs their name on the dotted line. Dude, you might as well say you're given a 10 year commitment at that point. <laughs> and, and it's not just in front of the camera. It's like we said, at these conventions, you're doing charity work or whatever you are, like, like you say, Anthony Mackie. Sorry, dude, 
you are Captain America now. And yep. you have that responsibility in the real world of, mm-hmm. of representing that because this thing has become bigger than just a paycheck and a movie. It's, it's an event now. It's a part of pop culture. It's like, like I'm 45 years old now. Right. So I imagine the way I feel right now is probably how my parents would have felt after return of the Jedi back in 83, where as an adult, if you were invested into that star Wars universe at that time, you know, and you see that your kids are into it too. It's, it's more than just movies at this point. You know, it's again, you, you see how people, you see, look like a star Wars celebration that just, just happened. You see how people go crazy over this stuff now, because that's how much these things mean now. And the MCU, in my opinion, is as big as star Wars, if not bigger, because yeah. I think even more people in 2019 are even more invested into these comics because you have people like me that read all these comics as kids and then obviously these movies came along and like again I used the example of my son he's grown up in a world where Robert Downey Jr. has always been Iron Man think about that that's it's crazy you know so I don't know like like I said it it was such a happy feeling especially that second time to watch that last hour and just be a nerd just to (laughs) embrace the moment of what it was because I was so happy knowing that this may never happen again. Don't, don't fight the way you feel. Don't feel ashamed for the way you feel. If you love these movies and what they mean to you embrace it, man, because it's special. It may not happen again. I hope it does, but it might not. (laughs) Yeah. For, for something like this to happen again, I mean, I don't know if they could top it, man. You know, I, I think when you when you look at like what the streaming service is going to bring and all that, they're I think we, we somebody said it earlier about like they're going to have to find new ways to tell these stories. I think the way they've done it, they've set a great precedent for how it can be done. But I think for us to be surprised and shocked again, they need to do it differently. Like I don't want them to just do another ten years of hey, every year we're going to put put out a movie or two and lead up to this big ultimate thing. I I think now it's going to be just this cross media thing where it's going to be, you're going to have the movies and we know the shows are going to bleed into the movies. You're just going to have all these different aspects for people to go in and and see all this stuff. And I think now we're even going to see the fact that they're going to go back to these movies. Like we already saw them do now in this movie where they're literally the shot from Avengers is in this movie where they do the, the epic pan around. I think they can do stuff like that again. Now they can go back to, Ant-Man and the Wasp and pull something out of that. I don't know how that makes sense, but I think they can do it. And by the way, that's something I want to talk about is how crucial Ant-Man is. Like, if you had told me <laughs> 10 years ago that Paul Rudd is going to be one of your favorite superheroes in a Marvel movie, I would have been like, BS. <laughs> Paul Rudd is incredible. Go back, even his acting, go back and watch the scene when he comes out of the quantum realm and he goes back home and sees his daughter. Dude, yes. That was like the first time I teared up, I think, in the movie because it's just the way he acts that scene. It is fantastic. Like at first he is in shock and awe when he realizes how old he is or that his daughter is. But then you see it on his face where he smiles like, oh, my God, it's actually you. And I'm I'm here like it's Paul Rudd is was fantastic in these movies. And I think this movie, I mean, obviously he was funny and he was kind of the comedic relief or even a lot of this. But this movie really cemented for me that he was one of the best. I think out of all of these, he's fantastic. Yeah. This movie. It's a good thing he uh, <clears throat> he's immortal because we'll have him as Ant Man forever. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? 
Yeah. Hey, we had Nicolas Cage in Into the Spider-Verse, and he's pretty much immortal, too. So, yeah. um, What else? What else do you guys want to talk about? Just one little tiny thing that was just a bad... Look, we know there were so many badass moments in this thing, but to see Tony and Pepper together... I think I even sent you guys that, that, yeah, that yeah, gift earlier, it, yeah. where, where you just see them back-to-back, yes, and they're back both, to back. both kicking at... Oh, dude. It's just little thing Again, to think where Pepper Potts has come from the start of this. She's just the secretary while he's just the womanizing playboy, billionaire philanthropist or whatever he calls himself. And she became the love of his life and meant so much to him that, you know, he's trying to build, build the, the shield around the world because everything is about protecting her. And then obviously the, you know, what he says to her when he's stranded in space. And then he, they this do movie get there. doesn't really happen without pepper because pepper is not. the one that says, safe. Yeah. you can't let this go. Like, yeah. nope. You will not be able to rest easy if you yep. just such, such a great moment. That when he, was so key. That was yep. so key because he he literally gave her the out. I, I leave it up to you. He says I, I figured will it walk out. Walk away from this. Yeah. Yep. But again, that's what. But she knew that's what heroes do. He yep. figured it out. This saves everyone. We've had our five years of happiness. We have Morgan. Go try to save the universe now. Yep. It's perfect. Do it. Um. Uh, what? A, well, yeah, that moment that yeah, that's that was one of the moments that I was thinking of when they they had that sweet moment, and he basically he figures it out at that point, and she you know had that out, and the fact that you know I because I, I remember when I saw that first scene when Cap because they all come back to try to convince Tony, and he doesn't want any part of it. He's like, nope, if you guys want to stay for dinner, cool, but other than that, I'm out because he moved on. He yeah. moved on. Yeah, I mean, he, look, he, he got everything he ever life. wanted. Yeah, he got the yep. daughter. He got everything that he wanted. Um, and yeah, Pepper, that's a good point, man. That she was but, pretty but much key. I, I, I do think one, one thing, and this actually leads right into it. The fact that even in those five years, he still never stopped innovating because we, we get zero context as to why we're at the Mark 85 versus the Mark 50. What was five years ago, which goes to show Tony was still in the lab tinkering fixing hell yeah. he had obviously built pepper her own suit and she was highly trained to use it you know morgan's running around in the lab too so he had never given up being iron man like he said at the end i am iron man even though he had his family and he, he figured it was over the universe is safe for whatever it is but if another threat does come i'll be ready that's kind of my thinking on what tony was doing that entire time but he was still like like pepper said she, he was he still never rested. He he was still trying to make sure that everyone was going to be safe, even though he hadn't figured out a way to undo, you know, from from five years ago, which, again, just goes back into what's the first thing he says to to cap when he gets off the ship. I lost the kid. I lost the boy, you know, and then he, he obviously sees the picture that he has of Peter. And again, that was another one which, that got me the second which, time. Which, by the way, <laughs> like, Cap, Cap's yeah. been working. He's building all these amazing iron suits. Dude can't rinse dishes. Like, he loses the sprayer to get the sprayer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's like, come on, man. Come on, Tony. Um, let's talk about, because I had multiple people kind of asking me this, and we're just kind of having discussions about it. Kind of where the world is set now. So you have all the people coming back, but pretty much everything that's happened up to this point exists. And I think... Why I say where it is now is you, the one scene, especially my wife brought it up right away. She was like, 
why is Peter going back to school and like everybody's back at school? I think a lot of this movie, like oh. you, you almost don't want to overthink this movie because if you sit there, you're kind of just like, okay, so all of Peter's friends didn't get <laughs> snapped, so that's why they're all going to school. Don't even think about that. You just got to roll with it, right? I, I mean, that's kind of. I think that's it sets up so many potential things, including someone like Norman Osborne being introduced because he was two years previous and he yeah. wasn't even in high school yet. And because of the the snap and the five year time job, he's suddenly in a go. class with Peter. Yeah, and you get some weird, like I we they showed it in all of the trailers for Endgame. That they they are not beyond editing stuff out of oh, trailers. 100%. People completely out of trailers, like people editing in trailers. Half of Cap Shield back into the trailer when it's not. Oh, yeah. half of it's not in the. In there's the a movie. there's a moment where the Hulk is like dead center in one of the frames and he's not there in yep. the trailer. So it's like they're they're they've mastered aging on film. They have no problem taking someone out of a trailer. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get some sort of conflict like that in Spider-Man. Yeah, you bring up a great point cuz I never thought about it from that perspective. I always thought, okay, you had Peter and his friends that all were victim of the snap, so they're going to be 5 years behind, you know, anyone that didn't go on the snap and they're still in high school, but it works the other way too. You're going to have people who didn't get snapped that were younger than yeah. Peter that are now going to be his yeah. age. And maybe like you said, maybe that's how you slide Harry Osborne right on into the class with him and, and set up that entire dynamic, mm. you know, eventually with the green goblin. So yeah, that, that's a really good point. Yep. Again, it, I think this is the whole point of what, why uh, Kevin Feige amended that, uh, Far From Home isn't the start of phase four, but it's basically the epilogue for phase three, because I think they're going to use Spidey as a way to set the rules of this and new universe that we're in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You think uh, we're going to get another uh, Robert Downey projection to Peter? Part of me says yes, but part of me doesn't want it. I almost want Iron Man to rest for a while before we see him again but it would be in total character that he left a personal message for peter yeah you know yeah. maybe that's where we even get the new suit from that was basically like tony's final gift to peter like if i succeeded and you're back here's one last thing from me that's excellent for spider-man that's like we never really got uh an uncle ben in yeah, this story right. in, in his story and it's done perfectly with tony instead of ben so yep um, I want to talk a little bit about Doctor Strange because I think even in this movie, again, it just shows how powerful he is. And we even have the Return of the Ancient One, which was something that I didn't see at all for Tilda Swinson to be back in this movie. Um, and the fact that really what convinces her to give up the uh, Time Stone is the fact that when Banner mentions, you know, Strange basically said this, that this was this one chance that that's what convinces her, that she knows that he is going to be the strongest of them all. And that's what forces her basically to give There's, up the stone. I just thought that was the most excellent moment. Shows you how is strong when, he is. Is when Strange looks over at Tony and Dude. just holds up the one one finger, yeah. saying that yeah. there's one possibility here. Yeah. And that's when Tony knows what he has to do. He has to jump in and because even and Tony, be the one. Tony asks him. He says, "Is this that time?" And he says, "I can't tell you because basically." He's saying, if I do, and you know that you have to sacrifice yourself and kill yourself, it's not going to happen. Essentially and we, said it, we said it in the Infinity War thing, is that looking forward in time, 
Doctor Strange suddenly has a lot of respect for Tony. He yeah. obviously saw this whole movie before we did. So <laughs> yeah. he knows yeah. exactly what went down, what Tony has to sacrifice to get to the one where they win. Yep. That one moment, I think, think that's, about- that's right after Captain Marvel got wrecked with the power stone yeah and then i think yeah. that's when he looks and tony just you know tony just saw captain marvel get smashed with the power stone realizes there's probably nothing he can do and yet he knows what he has to do and that's just shoot himself and try and rip the gauntlet off thanos which you know even he knows is near impossible for him by himself to do it but yeah he he does it anyways uh what were you gonna say paris i was just gonna say if if strange tells him everything that happens and he knows that he's going to have Morgan. He's marrying Pepper and he has his happy life for five years and is literally up to him to solve the problem of time travel to undo everything. He probably, like you said, he probably doesn't do it. You're not going to do it. Why? 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 You know, it, it isn't being in that moment and knowing everything that's at stake that now Peter's back. Everyone's back. That part's been solved. And it's just his sacrifice because at that point, Thanos has laid it out. Which I, I don't know. I go into 2014 Thanos. This is why I love 2014 Thanos because he understands because he's now been given knowledge of the future. Of oh wait, so I did do the snap, and you sons of guns didn't appreciate it and trying to do undo everything. Well, <laughs> yeah. guess what? I will take everyone out to the last atom and just start my own universe where none of you know anything, which, you know, I amended my villain list because of that, because 2014 Thanos is top, top of my list, I think, because he is, he didn't have to go through the journey that infinity war Thanos did to collect the stones Mm -hmm. and give up everything, which was Gamora to obtain his goal. Right. This yep. Thanos didn't have to do that. He was going to be able to shortcut it. He literally was, he sat down, Paris, and told yeah. Nebula, go get it. Go get the stones <laughs> yeah, go and bring get them it. back. I'm he didn't here. understand the sacrifice and the journey that it took to acquire the Infinity Stones. That made him even more dangerous than the Thanos we saw in, in Infinity War. Because if you go back to Infinity War and think about it, once Thanos sacrificed Gamora, he never tried to kill anyone other than Tony. That was the only person he tried to kill at that point. Everyone else was just simply in the way of him completing his mission of eliminating half the universe. This Thanos would have used that sword and would have took everybody out. Which, again, I love that we see a Thanos without the Infinity Gauntlet more than holding his own against everybody. The only person that gave him a problem was Uh, Captain Marvel. The moment with Cap and the shield and he's just... Yes. Laying into, into him, cat like with that sword was like the first viewing. I was like legit worried. I was like, "This is where cat is. This where cat <laughs> dies." Like he is brutal in that moment. How about when he's spinning the sword like kind of yeah. like Thor with Molnir, and he's just blocking all the shots. It's like a that, helicopter that whole, blade almost. Yeah. Like, it even looked like that almost. So I good. love the line where he just stands up and he's just like, you know what? Normally, yep. I don't take any of this personally. Yep. Like, takes his helmet and off. He's like, "But what I'm about to do to your what's he say? Like, annoying little planet." And then that's when everybody comes down. I mean, that and you know another character who we haven't even mentioned yet, who she's only in it briefly. But speaking of powerful people, and I would put her now, even seeing what she's done, I don't want to say maybe she's as strong as Captain Marvel, but Scarlet Witch. Man, like she pulls him up, starts tearing off yes. his armor and has him up armor in the off. air. And the only reason 
that she doesn't achieve it is where Thanos realizes the only thing for me to do is fire from the sky or whatever it is that he he, he uses. And, uh, you know, basically he's going to kill his own troops and every other troop just bombard this planet because I need to be saved. So that right there shows how much power she has, even that she was yeah. able to just lift him up and is almost getting set to tear him apart. Um, she smirks, too, when like he has the the sword over her head and she's just holding it. Yep. And, and she's like, uh, your sword ain't going to hurt me. <laughs> yeah, she just pushes it back. I mean, that's, yeah. she's going to be somebody, I think. And we know we're getting the Vision Scarlet Witch show, right? Yeah. yeah. He's another character. Dead. Gone. No yeah. hint. Nothing of him someone, coming back. Someone mentioned this on Reddit the other day, but the imagined it like um the wanda vision show as like this weird 1950s like uh sitcom-y like uh lucy everyone loves lucy type of thing where she's imagining a world where vision is back hmm. and like she's creating because we haven't seen her use her mind control abilities for a long time but she has them. We saw them in Age of, uh, mm-hmm. Age of yeah. Ultron. So true. Yeah. There's there was this thing where like she creates this world where Vision's still around and they have this perfect life together. But that like cripple, cripples her more mentally because she's not living in the current like, the current world at all, and she's living in this false reality she's created, and that sets up even more of a darker timeline with her, like House of M. Hmm. That would be interesting. I, I could totally see it. Now, I think one thing going on on the lines of what you're saying, Swain, where she's building up this fantasy world with Vision, but then the reality sinks in now that Shuri is back and we know she was able yeah. to download something of, of, of him. Maybe we get gray vision. And that's yeah. like when she comes snaps out of this fantasy world and is reunited with Vision, he's just an emotionless, no longer what what she thought he was and maybe that's something they can explore further down the line now just speaking of her real quick i would love to see her in a doctor strange sequel yeah and just explore that whole side of her i I think that would be fantastic yep and if you really think about it she was the only snapped character that had a big moment like that against thanos no one else did because i mean she because she was about to take him out (laughs) yeah she was yeah yeah yeah, I mean, really, we just had our big three, right? Captain Marvel and her are really the only ones that yep. essentially went toe-to-toe with Thanos, right? I'm trying to think yep. back. I think that was it. I mean, yep. we obviously, we had, you know, Spider-Man running with the gauntlet, which was awesome when he did the, uh, what's the, the, the what? The kill mode. The kill mode. Oh, so great. Inst- I mean, insta-kill, yeah. Insta-kill, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> insta-kill, that was it. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, even uh, Black will, Panther I, running with it. Like, I will say that now that, we're in a timeline where the stones don't exist. Yes. I, I want to see what Dr. Strange's sequel is like, because he no longer will have the time stone. And that was like a big part of his job, essentially protect the time stone. That was like the whole source of Supreme job up until that point. So what does he go forward and do? Well, his, his job was always to protect earth. Right. Sure. But it, so not necessarily. I mean, he was protecting. They straight the up stone say protect one. the time stone in the movie. Yeah. So I don't know. I would love this to see where. I mean, obviously he's going to continue protecting Earth and protecting reality, but uh, a big part of it was the stones, and now they're gone. So mm. we'll see. 
Yeah, I didn't even think of a Scarlet Witch and a Doctor Strange sequel. Now you got me all thinking about what that would be. I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> um, do we know? I think I'm, I'm actually looking at IMDb right now. Natalie Portman, I mean, she was one that she was on the red carpet. So instantly people were going crazy. And we had talked about, oh, Jane's never going to come back. I'm looking at her on IMDb, and it says that was archival footage. Yep. I, so that I was stuff. Because well. I, I, I even said that to my wife. I was like, I wonder if that was just stuff that they just had kind of in the can, you know, if they use. Which, by the way, speaking of having other scenes kind of just in the can that they could have used the Stan Lee cameo in this loved it did you <laughs> I was kind of like man I wish we had brought up the idea of them pulling back you know like all these other old cameos <laughs> from these older movies where maybe he gave different lines I don't know if I loved it Paris I was kind of like really because no, it was kind of de-aged I, Stan Lee I mean it was funny I but think it was they could in the, better I think what happened was obviously he filmed it and it happened but then you have this situation where obviously they hoped he would live longer mm-hmm. and be able to do more. And you can't go back and create right. something perfect for a tribute for Stan. Uh, I think, honestly, to me, the best it, the best Stan like was just the Marvel role at the beginning of Captain Marvel. Yeah, oh, it was yeah. just like, yeah, that was the best oh, thing yeah. they could do. Uh, with what they had, and this, yeah. this, the, obviously, it's not my favorite Stanley uh, uh, cameo, but I enjoyed it, and it, my theater clapped. So yeah, oh yeah, mine did too, of course. Um, speaking of, speaking of, real quick, because he just mentioned like the the because op- the Stanley tribute, you know, when they use that to open up uh, Captain Marvel. How about the Marvel mm-hmm. opening scene for this one? It was only the characters that didn't get snapped. Oh yeah, and they Ooh, showed. I didn't pick up. They on showed. That. Yeah. They showed scenes from other movies with where the character would have been, but they're removed. Yeah. So there's a really? Doctor Strange. Oh, I gotta go back and yeah. watch. That. So That's if awesome. you if you've seen the the one where like it's Doctor Strange walking up the steps in the uh, in the house um, in Bleecker Street. He's completely removed from that scene, wow. and it just shows the steps. That's cool, man. I didn't realize that. I did like, you know, speaking of tributes too, was just the very end, like the credits. And it went through each character and all kind of led up, you know, I mean, towards the end was like Chris Evans and Robert Downey was the last one. How not only did it show a little bit of their character, like either a quick scene or like part of their suit, but it had their signatures. I oh. thought that was so cool. Did you notice that, like, for the actors, they kind of had yep. their signature up on. I just thought that was neat. It was uh, somebody. I was reading somewhere online that one of the Star Trek movies did that. I think it was Star the Trek last, Six. Yeah, Six. I just thought yep. it was cool they that it. they did that. It's such just a classy thing, I think, to kind of do to, to kind of put the saga I, to bed. I have one last thing I noticed on my viewing today uh, on the second time around. Uh, real subtle, and I don't think I've seen it mentioned anywhere else, but. Uh, during the scene when they're trying to convince Tony to do the time heist, uh, Natasha's wearing an arrow necklace. Like, uh, this is before she has the chance to come back and save Hawkeye. So I thought that was just a little neat thing, little a- like an arrow from a bow and arrow necklace that really shows how much she cared yeah. about him. Yeah. I like Hawkeye speaking- better with the sword. I like him as a Ronin. <laughs> yeah, well, sword, well, well, how badass was it when he had the bow and arrow and the sword together, you know, on, <laughs> yeah. on the back? I, I love that. Yep. Love that. But but one thing, because you, you you mentioned Black Widow. And, and again, I think this is probably my second favorite performance from her 
um, next to in Winter Soldier because I, I thought she was fantastic in that. But it kind of she kind of brings it kind of brings up the overall point of especially the first two hours of the movie. Black Widow has zero action scenes in this movie other than when she tussles with Hawkeye before sacrificing for the Soul yeah. Stone. It's actually very action light. The oh, first yeah, couple man. hours, there's not a. It's yeah. and again, this is this is the power of this being eleven years and wrapping everything up. We already know these characters and we already love them. That it was a lot of people sitting around tables having discussions and character building moments more so than all out action. You know what I mean? It was that victory lap, man, That's and it, it worked. It worked. It, yeah. I, I was completely engaged the entire time. One of my but, favorite Black Widow scenes was the peanut butter sandwich scene. Yeah, and they're sitting yeah, there. And, you know, she, you could just she's so she's in this world where you know not that she really had a lot before, but what little bit that she had is completely lost, and all she can do is just keep working. You know, yep. she she has the ho- the hollow tapes or whatever. I mean, that's Star Wars, but you know, she has these video feeds of the heroes around the world, and they're just doing what they're doing, and she's just yep. taking listening to them. She's like, yeah, and just this is what I got to do. This is my life now. You know. Wh- which that scene actually brings up another point that I have with old cap. There's no way that old cap goes back to the forties and sits on the sideline because he even makes a comment to her about, Hey, they saw some whales in the Hudson Bay, you know, fewer ships. He's always looking for the positive in whatever situation that he's in, because that's who captain America is. That's why he's worthy. Right? So there's no way old cap went to be with Peggy and let all this happen all over again without him stepping in. No way. Of course, yeah. of course, that that timeline changed. Yeah. Which I mean, I guess we would just assume what, like we said, he, he probably went and just changed everything. Like, yeah. When, when like what what was it in Back to the Future Two? Biff. Well, what's his? Yeah. Uh, who goes and gambles on everything? Like that's that's Cap. That's old man Cap. He just went back. And I love bet it. on, bet on the World that. Series. And there you go. I love that, you know, uh, where, where Ant-Man and, and Stark have that interaction about that and, and Scott Lang's bringing up, you know, we, we won't, get, we, yeah, we won't get with our other selves and we won't bet on <laughs> sports and he cuts them off. You're not betting everything <laughs> on Back to the Future. That was so good. It was a really good scene. Yeah. Like I said, that represented us as the audience because, you know, yep. everybody's thinking time travel. That's what we know is time travel and it's, it's great. Uh, what is there any characters we haven't talked about? I think we talked about Thor. I mean, um, Nick Fury, not one word. Yeah. He says, he says nothing. We only just see him in the background at the end. I, this is where I have a little issue with the Spider-Man trailer is because they were both at the funeral and he acts like he's never met him in the Spider-Man trailer. Maybe that's not in the, in the movie. I don't know. That could have been, I can't believe that they, They Mm -hmm. didn't, you know, talk at all during or at least like see each other at the the funeral. I don't know. We'll see. Now, he could they could have an out with that of that. Yeah, he was at the funeral, but his secret identity was never exposed. I don't know. But uh, come on, it's Nick Fury. Of course, he knows. He knows everything. Yeah, he's got to know. Uh, All right. I think we covered it all. Is that it, boys? I mean, we're at an hour 30 right now going here, hour 34. Um, you know, obviously, this is a movie that I, I want to keep seeing. I think the more we see it, the more little things people are going to be picking out of it. Um, lots of fan theories, obviously, running around. Um, you know, I, I, I'm glad. Did both of you stay completely spoiler-free? Oh, glad you brought that up. So I have to say this because it's a sad testament of the internet. So 
as of that Monday, I purposely was like, I'm out of Twitter. Goodbye. I left Twitter. I was like, I'm not signing on, which, hey, it's it's good to take a break anyways, right? So I stayed off of Twitter until after I saw the movie. I kid you not. I had eight DM requests. People giving up specific spoilers in the Ugh. movie. Purposely trying to ruin wow. it. Because, you know, I've been on, on social media talking about my excitement and all that. So these are people that saw how excited I was and purposely like, I'm going to ruin his joy. They yeah. purposely were trying to do that. So that's just a warning to anyone out there that's on social media. If you're really anticipating stuff like this and you don't want to be spoiled and don't want to risk it, just get Stop off the internet if you now can. Stay away. Yeah. I'm yeah. spoiled. We I made sure same thing. I mean, luckily I was kinda on vacation up in New York, so I didn't really I wasn't on my phone all the time. We were doing things most of that time. I did watch the red carpet though. And did you see I don't know if you guys watched any of it for the premiere uh, out in Hollywood and um Gwyneth Paltrow, they asked her like what was one of your favorite mm-hmm. moments and she said, Oh, we were all by the lake and it was the one time we had everybody together. And then she kind of stopped it. I think it was Favreau where somebody said, like, I don't think you were supposed to say that. And she was like, oh, was I not supposed to say that? And it was obviously the final you know, shot like sure. we talked about, the final moment where there, literally every actor was there. And so, I mean, at some point you knew that was going to happen. But I was that was the only thing I heard. Like, oh, man, there's going to be a scene where literally everybody is together. <laughs> I, uh, I can say that within the last week uh, leading up, uh, I got spoiled one key item that uh made me upset and it was i saw a toy a photo of a toy and it was the stark gauntlet oh really yeah Mm. yeah and it was like not not obviously not the one that stark wields at the very end but like a one that looks like it could adjust and Mm. i was just like man all right i guess (laughs) we're doing this i knew exactly like i going in i like had a feeling that it would lead to that but then being you know, having that basically confirmed by like a target toy was yeah, upsetting a little disheartening but i does did not change my enjoyment of the movie so yeah i i did have something spoiled for me but didn't know it at the time and thank god i didn't put two and two together um on a discord channel that that i'm on i was in a channel and someone a random person came in and had said Iron Man and Black Widow, and then one of the mods caught it and deleted it. I didn't think anything of it. It turns out he was spoiling the two he people. He was spoiling it. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, I know many of you, obviously, if you tune into this, you've seen the movie. But if you know people that haven't, don't spoil it for anybody. I mean, I don't even know when is the right time, really, to be kind of open. You know, I'm starting to see some things kind of trickle online. But I would still give it another week or two. Like this, this is something yeah. that it's well, a very Marvel, special moment. To, straight up, to see. I think that Marvel set the set the the boundaries with that because they posted something on Instagram yes yesterday that was like it was kind of spoilery, and it was like a an Instagram thing like oh the with fastest to one billion essentially, and it had not only uh, Thor like with the beard dual with like. Catching oh, both, yeah. both yeah. had rescue and uh, yeah, yeah, and Tony that, in yeah. it as well. That's yeah. where that really great gift came from, and then like a very brief glimpse of Hulk with like Banner's face, and it was like, and then at the bottom it said, "Don't you know? Don't spoil Endgame." And it was like, "Well, you kind of spoiled Endgame a little bit." Did. But, but you know what? They made one point two billion dollars, so chances I'm, are a 
lot of people yeah. saw the movie. <laughs> the people that really, really cared and probably would have saw it, yeah, gotten spoiled by those things, had seen it probably or had seen it, it two to three times at that point. So I think they're pretty safe, and I think we, it won't take long before you can you know, openly kind of talk about it. Yeah, uh, I I would like to see from each of you what is if you had the wish list one item for the future of the MCU, what is it? Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom, okay. Yeah. Doctor Doom. You that, know, I, that's what I want. I want to do the Secret Invasion because I think introducing the Skrulls as heroes, and in the comics, there and many people thought going into Captain Marvel they were going to be the villain. I think if they go forward, and we've already seen these time travel aspects, they can go back to some of these previous films. And set the seeds, especially in some of those multiverses. I don't know which multiverse they choose to go with, but where they can say, "Hey, Hawkeye was a scroll the whole time," or "Black Widow was a scroll the whole time." You know, and, they, and then they could go back to these old shots. I think that would be great. I think the secret invasion of the scrolls just trying to take over everything. I want to see it. I think it'd be sweet. What about you? Uh Secret Wars. Mm, fair enough. I think you could get Doom and have that all in one little uh, nicely wrapped package where they, <laughs> and they could I, bring in, they could bring back Tony if they wanted they, to. They, they, could, want, yeah. they absolutely could. Absolutely yep. could. I just think it's amazing that we could potentially see Dr. Doom, Mr. Sinister, Magneto, Norman Osborn. I mean, just the rogues gallery of, of Marvel villains over the past few decades that that show up in some form or another. That that excites me more than anything. Yeah, well, you know, Paris, I think it's because now they've set the bar where they're just like, whatever we want to do, we can do it. Because yep. they yeah. did it. It's I mean, the, I never would have thought we would have seen this. Now, whatever. It's, what? Do, yes, do Secret Wars. Do Secret Invasion. <laughs> they can do it. They can do all it's of it. It's the amazing combo of... The fact that this movie made $1.2 billion in a weekend, that they can just go and from any point forward, they could probably get any actor for any amount of money yep. for any movie and do the perfect casting for all of these. And it eliminates this issue where you cast maybe the wrong person or you get stuck with an actor that doesn't like the role all that much. Mm -hmm. You can cast the perfect person and the incentive has been there for 10 years. They show that they're, they are able to get people on board and going yep. forward. I think they have zero trouble getting anyone on board for any amount of money for any amount of movies. They could be like, Hey, you want to do, you want to sign a nine movie contract? There's actors out there that would do that in a heartbeat right now because they just they made watched, it cool. They just yep. watched 1.2 billion dollars happen yeah. weekend, <laughs> and this crazy worldwide tour that they just sent like all of their actors on. That that's cool. That's that's so yep. cool, and that sets up the rest of this MCU for us. Couple things before I forget. First one, Howard to Duck is makes a cameo as one of the, <laughs> one of the people fighting in, in the final battle, which yep. was so awesome. Very cool. Uh, the second thing I implore both of you guys, anyone listening to this, go on YouTube and find the 2014 um, MCU roadmap that they did. This was actually right before age of Ultron came out mm -hmm. and they give a roadmap of where they're going into the future. And it culminated with this. 
what we just have at the time. It was Infinity War Part Two, but they revealed a scene from Age of Ultron. They set up Captain America and Civil War. That's when Chadwick Boseman first they came out that Captain he was Marvel Black Panther, too. Captain Marvel, all that. And it's amazing to go back and watch because I, I went back and watched it to watch how close they actually got to nailing it from that vision wow. of what Feige was laying out. I mean, they didn't have Spider-Man at the time. That threw a monkey wrench into what they were doing because they changed things up. That's what Captain Marvel, Black Panther got delayed. Thor Ragnarok actually is interesting because they clearly were setting up a different movie from what we got. You know, at yeah. the time, it was not going to be, you know, this lighthearted comedy kind of buddy wrote, you know, roadshow movie that it became you know it was going to be a, a definitely a lot darker and a more serious tone but beyond that they pretty much laid it out pretty well wow. and they actually have a mini trailer about the infinity stones with kind of a voiceover from nick fury in it and they go through some of the movies at the time and it ends with thanos sitting on his throne holding the infinity stone and it's like wow and it actually ends with tony stark talking about the end game in it. It wasn't called Endgame at the time, but he actually does say it in that little mini trailer. I've and seen that mini trailer, actually. I watched that yeah. earlier today because yeah, somebody sent that to me. But. but it's amazing. That was 2014. They were <laughs> talking about that. So they'd been planning this that long. And it's just it's just amazing to see the culmination of all this that mm -hmm. they actually absolutely stuck the landing in the end. Yep. I mean, it, it freaking worked. <laughs> Is it going to pass amazing. $3 billion? I think this will be the first roadmap, $3 billion movie. Do you guys think this oh, will be the first yeah. three billion movie? Oh yes. yeah. yeah, yeah, easily, easily. This will be the first three billion dollar movie. Why, why wouldn't it be? I know, <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, Keep right. it open as long as possible. <laughs> One other thing I wanted to say for you guys: this also might be the greatest seventy-two hour period in just cinema slash TV history. <laughs> Between Endgame and that episode three of Game of Thrones, I mean, I, I like, like, I'll give you this example. When I walked out of, because I watched Infinity War and Endgame back to back. Like, I watched Infinity War, it ended. Oh, same. Me and the kids, me and the kids got in the car, and then like twenty minutes later, we we're watching Endgame. So by the time I walked out, I was exhausted. I mean, <laughs> I was just mentally and emotionally drained. And after what we just saw with Game of Thrones, I just had the same feeling again. And it's like, wow, all this just happened like in a three-day period. Oh, you know what, though? I, I was going to say real quick, for me, Game of Thrones was still, oh, my God. Like, I mean, I, I was texting you guys last night. I was sweating, like stressing. <laughs> However, I, in the back of my mind, I kept thinking of Endgame. And I was like, oh, as yeah. cool as this is, yeah. man, it, it is a living up to no Endgame. Like, and I, yeah. I think Endgame kind of soured that episode last night for me. I still love the episode. still awesome. But, like, had I not seen Endgame... I think I would have been much more over the moon about Game of Thrones than, sure. than I was. It's probably going to need a rewatch. But uh, but like you said, Pirates, if you go a little bit broader to like the whole year. Dude. Dude, you're getting Endgame. You're getting oh. the end of Game of Thrones. You're getting the end of Star Wars. Yeah. Yes. The beginning of a lot more of those franchises with like the Mandalorian and yep. Disney Plus shows. It is a... Excellent time to be a nerd. Great time to be alive, man. It's crazy. Yes, it is. It is just an amazing time. If you're a nerd, yeah. 
Uh, all right. Well, uh, any any final words you want to say to the audience, guys? Like I said, we will be back definitely for Spider-Man. So any pretty much anything MCU movie-wise will be here. We'll see with the, with the app. Uh, once that, that kind of starts rolling out, but we'll be back, of course, for Spider-Man: Far From Home. Maybe, maybe even we'll do two episodes for that. Maybe we'll do one beforehand. Maybe a small little prediction show. Talk about, talk some Spider-Man, and maybe we can, of course, do the recap. Uh, but anything you guys want to throw out here at the very end? I want to say, on a personal note, to you two gentlemen, thank you. I remember when we first started talking. This literally started about our excitement on Twitter. That's how this started. Yeah. Yeah, and New then Year's it went Eve of all DM. times. I think we were messaging yeah. on New Year's Eve because I remember I was, yeah. <laughs> I think it was a few drinks in and I was like, ah, let's just do a new podcast. And I started thinking yeah. about it like, oh man, I can do all these <laughs> other podcasts. Like, can yeah. I do it? Ah, screw it. We're doing it. Yeah. And we did it, man. We absolutely did it. And, you know, we're, we're pulling double episodes Bre- and everything that went through it. There for a little yeah, bit, man. Yeah. But we did it. And it's been a hell of a ride because it, it forced me to go back and rewatch all these movies and I just appreciated what we got here within the game that much more. Yes. Um, it made sure. me go back and watch a few of these other movies and have such a greater appreciation for what they were doing at that time. Like I said, for me, and I guess maybe we should go into this as well, but for me, The Winter Soldier is still the best movie in the MCU for me. And I take Endgame out of that discussion because I feel like this was just the love letter to everything, yep. right? I, I don't think you can put a ranking on Endgame, you know, but it it makes Civil War that much better. It makes Winter Soldier that much better. Hell, it makes me want to go watch Thor the Damn Dark World, right? You know, the original Avengers and to put into context, like we now know what happened after Loki wanted that drink. <laughs> yeah, kind he of wanted thing. the you drink. I mean? yep. So it's, it's just so cool. I, and, and you think about Tony's relationship with Howard Stark and how that's played out over these 11 years. Just the whole thing, man. So good. Yep. Do you foresee another rewatch in my future within I, this next year? Yeah, like I mean the it, first just thing. To, yep, first thing I thought of is I just want to go back and watch them all again. I'll wait yeah. till Disney Plus comes out and I can watch them all. Oh, dude, <laughs> isn't that just like the godsend of godsends that we're getting Disney Plus yep. and just they're all available to you whenever you want? Did it's you crazy. see those people that paid? I think it was ninety dollars, and there was like twelve theaters across the country where you they literally did like all the movies right in a row leading up to Endgame. And the one guy that I saw on TV, he said that he chose that theater he was at because they had a shower for people to shower at. <laughs> they were taking like a short, you know, 15, wow. 20 minutes in between the movies. And he's like, I picked this one because they have a shower. And he, he was like one of like three people that were there. Like only three people were crazy enough to sit there. But I was thinking in my head, like how much fun would that be to do? And uh, I don't know. A lot I, of sitting. It is definitely a lot, a lot of, sitting, of sitting. For sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the MCU, it's incredible. I don't know when, at least in our lifetimes, I don't know if we'll ever see anything like it again. You know, like just, just this master plan come together, which almost, you know, when so 2014 was when the roadmap actually was set in stone. You wonder, like, when they really started kind of getting the wheels turning. I mean, obviously, Little Seeds were being planted early on, and it was always kind of uh, like, oh, well, let's put this here. Let's put this here in this post credit scene, and then... You know, it just turned into what probably started out just on a whim. Like, let's put these little seeds and see if something can come of it. And in the end, I mean, it turned out to be just incredible. Kudos to the writing team, Kevin Feige. Obviously, the Russo brothers pulled this all together. John Favreau. I mean, they they did it. 
it's it's an incredible thing and you know i'm glad paris you mentioned it about with your kids like i've been able to share it with my kids now and and honestly my kids haven't seen all the movies so you know my daughter i knew at one point like in the movie i'm kind of like are you getting a little bit bored you know because like you said that a lot of it was just talking and people sitting around tables and because she hadn't seen it all but now she wants to go back and watch every single one of those movies oh, yeah. and i'm ready oh, to yeah. go watch them all again i'm like you tell yeah. me let's do it like let's sit down let's go through these every week let's go through another one i just did it let's do it again so it's uh it's great so all right everybody well uh thank you here for joining us we will see you this july right for uh, spider-man far from home mm-hmm. probably do the same thing Boy. movie will, i'm sure it'll come out on a thursday or friday and uh maybe on we'll do the same thing on that tuesday afterwards we'll go through a big spoiler cast so uh with that thank you for tuning in if you haven't listened to the past episodes go back dive through those movies with us the mcu i think is now something that is going to be timeless and uh, the, the sky's the limit for where it can go. So uh, thank you, everybody. And with that, I'll catch you next time. Later.